And Lord, we do thank you that our home is eternal. And God, for those who know Christ, we have an eternal home with you. We ask that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, we ask that you would encourage us. We pray that you would challenge us. And God, uh, would you help, help us to focus on you. And God, where our home is in heaven. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys may take a seat. And so we are week two uh, in this, I believe, four-week series on heaven and what we have titled FOMO and talking about uh, the idea of missing out of things. And really, there's been a lot of good feedback, hopefully. I know some of you said you have been through a heaven series or you have heard of a heaven series or you've sat through one. And I hope that this one is maybe a little bit different and practical. Uh, to be honest with you, a lot of times uh, when I write a series or an idea or something I'm going with, I have uh, the, the way, where I want to go, exactly where I want to go, if I can say it, I can't even say it, right where I want to go with this one, I've been kind of picking up pieces and finding where I believe we need to be, uh, because a heaven series, there is so much to be said. There is, uh, I mean, we could, I've seen guys do 10-week series. We could go longer than that. I could teach again for 50 minutes every single week. I got home last time, and I said, Hope, I really screwed up tonight. She goes, oh, no, what'd you say? And I said, no, 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 I just went long. I went way too long. But uh, we could talk for a long time, and I want to make this series super, super practical. Uh, just a real quick story, uh, just uh, this past Sunday, and uh, I'm glad to see all you guys are here tonight. It's kind of like t time clock change. You guys are like, ah, I'm up, I'll go. And you, you came, and so I was, Sunday morning, I was uh, at the door greeting people as they were coming in. And uh, this is just a total rabbit trail, but it was kind of funny. Uh, this older lady, so we're out, I'm out there with the umbrella, it's raining. Sunday morning, like, I don't even know if I'd have been here if I wasn't a pastor. Like, it was raining, it was cold, sleet, the whole bit. And so I'm at the door, running back and forth with the umbrella, and uh, this older guy pulls up, and he pulls up in his car and he gets out and I run out there and he's got the wheelchair, right? So we got to get his wife out of the car onto the wheelchair. And as we're doing so, uh, you know, he, he reaches in and he tries to, you know, pull her out and she's yelling at him. They're like, I mean, they're over 90 for sure. They're like blowing dust. And so they're trying to get her out and she left her seatbelt on and he started yelling at her, you should have took it off, you know, and they're handing masks back and forth and trying to stumble. She's like, Jim, I'm trying. And so, I, I mean, this is a true story. And I was like, hey, hey, why don't you let me try and just, just get her out of here? So we both like took a shoulder, tried to lift her up. She, she couldn't stand up, like cannot stand up. So I just, I bear hugged her. I got in the car, picked, you know, Susie Lou up. I don't know her name. And I set her down on the wheelchair and uh, it's raining and it's cold. And I'm like, what are you guys doing here? Have you heard of a live stream? And, you know, they're like, we're happy to be here. So uh, I, I, you know, I'm picking her legs up, putting them on the wheelchair I was like, I am so glad you guys are here. And I said, hey, real quick, I want to let you know in heaven, we're not going to have to do this. And she's like, I hope not. You know, and she just <laughs> kind of <laughs> took off. And I was like, oh, you know, she like walks in, it's much preaching. You know, I, I, have, I have no idea. Uh, but anyway, uh, that is what heaven, as I'm talking about heaven, it is constantly on my mind. And hopefully it is for you. Um, as you listen to these sermons, ser this series that we're in on heaven, because if I could, the, the main goal of this is if you're going to miss out on anything or have the fear of missing out on anything, 
I hope or it should be heaven. We talked last week about there's misconceptions we talked about. We talked about how, uh, you know, there's certain things you believe about heaven and you shouldn't believe about heaven. And maybe there's, it's not going to be the same for everyone. Tonight is really going to be um, a little bit different. I wasn't planning to, to talk about it this way, but it's the way that we're going to go. Uh, but uh, FOMO, my first kind of main point tonight is you fear, or I fear, it, it, the fear of missing out is real because I believe, I believe someone else's present and future is going to be better than mine, right? It sets in with you because you see someone else, you saw their Instagram story. Oh my gosh, how did they get to go on that vacation, right? How did she end up with a guy like that, right? Or you see a guy, you'll see them ahead of you, so fear will set in and you are nervous or I'm nervous about not being where that person is, right? And some of you, some of the questions that were last week about this, and I'm not, I might save the last one uh, for Q&A where we talk about uh, do babies go to heaven, uh, age of accountability, and I'm going to, we might do that the last week, but there were some questions. Some of you said, uh, the one, one of the questions was, Mike, uh, will there, you talked about jobs last week and working. Will, will you be a pastor in heaven? The answer is No. I will be unemployed in heaven. I will have to figure out because we have Jesus. He's the best pastor ever. He'll preach the best sermons. He'll shepherd your heart well. But uh, no, uh, I won't be a pastor. Uh, another question that was asked was this. Uh, we talked about how we are perfect. We'll talk about that tonight. Or we'll be like him. We'll be complete. And then I talked about how you'll constantly be learning. How you won't fully attain all the knowledge. How I don't believe that that is something taught in the Bible. And someone said, well, I thought if we're perfect, we would have all knowledge. Well, lack of knowledge does not mean lack of perfection or Christ-likeness. So I believe in heaven you will constantly be learning. I believe, I'm not trying to scare some of you, but I think you will be tearing up your Bible. It says it is settled in the heavens uh, forever. So, and then the other question was this, and I want to be very, very, very clear. Does everyone have an opportunity to go, and does God want everyone there? Yes. Can I get an amen? Right, so God wants everyone to go. And I'm not gonna get way off in left field on a tangent on that, but uh, someone last week, they came up to me and said, Mike, if you were selling tickets, uh, I would have bought one tonight. And I uh, grew up in an inner city church in downtown Akron on Brown Street. And uh, they actually, I, I drove down there today to get uh, what they would have, what is called a ticket to heaven. And they had these tracks. Some of you would remember if you grew up in church. But we'd have these tracks and we'd walk around. And I remember we'd have a basket for, Val or for Valentine's Day. Basket for, what's it called? Thanksgiving. Uh, we would show up with a basket and uh, we would hand them a basket of food. No, come on. I'm holidays, I'm struggling. Give them a basket for Thanksgiving, and we would hand them, and I couldn't find one. I just had to print it out. It was a free ticket to heaven. And on this sucker, it says how uh, admit, admission one, reserve section, John 14, one to three, to heaven via the way of the cross. My man. So, yeah, we would walk around, and we would hand these things. And I went down there later today, did not find one, so I had uh, to print it out. So, where am I going tonight? I am always excited to preach, but especially about heaven, because I want everyone to go. Uh, I think it's going to be better than you think. I think talking about it helps us understand what we should be excited about and what we should not be excited about. When I am, and like I said, we have to be careful, because like we said, we don't want it to just be like, have an eternal mindset, and we talk about it, but we don't know how or why. 
Because when I don't focus on eternity, I get too invested into what is here, right? Too invested. I mean, I, I got Fox News, ABC, and I'm blowing them up on my phone. What'd they say? What'd they say? What'd they say? And I'm depressed. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm angry. You know, all my, my emotions are caught up into what is here if I'm not careful. Everything that I, all my stock is here. And so that is why we are talking about this. And I want to come out of the gate and say this, and i got a lot of explaining to do, but I'm going to do it super fast and super quick. You know. A God you can fully understand is not God. And I, I'm not going to do damage or you know, damage control. That's not what I'm doing. But Luke had made this statement. It was actually super good. It was in John 3. He made this statement that following Jesus is not what? Intellectual suicide. Right? And that's true. I believe that's Bible, that Jesus answers your question. I remember sitting there, and he was like, we don't have all the answers to your questions. I was looking at him crying. I'm like, I want to know the questions, the answers. I want to know. But it's true. We don't have all of the answers. And sometimes when we talk about these things, last week I went, I went back and listened. I said, I don't know, probably 13 times. I'd read a verse and be like, yeah, I don't know. Which is actually how I feel about this whole topic. Um, but there are some aspects where we should understand. And if you're seeking to understand or you're someone where your mind, you really need to understand all the bits and pieces, um, it doesn't mean we have to be mental midgets that we can't, or intellectual midgets. We can't see and understand. We can't read and study the Bible. It's not rooted in facts and proof. But there is an aspect to this where we have to say, yeah, I don't know. It's Isaiah 55. Eight and nine, if you'd pull it up, it says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is not God if you can fit him into your box. If, if, he's not a textbook, right? We have his word and we study his word. But when, th when we read things and understand things and it doesn't make sense to us, there is a faith aspect to it. It is 1 Peter 1.8 says this. It says, though you have not seen him, come on, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. In John 20.28, 20, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Heaven is the beginning, right? It is not the end. Sometimes we view as us crossing from death to life, we view it and, you know, a lot of times we'll talk with people and we'll bring up the idea of heaven and people say, well, you've never been there. You've never seen Jesus. And Jesus himself said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Is there not an aspect to when someone asks you the question, about have you seen Jesus and have you been to heaven, you know, all these things. Someone will ask you, and if you're a Christ follower, you almost want to say yes. You're kind of like, no, 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 we talk. Like, he'd been in my room before. Like, I, I, you want to, but you're kind of like, I, I, I didn't get a picture. Like, I can't show you. But there's an aspect to that. And the thing that we need to remember about it is heaven is not the end. So it's not the, the finish line. But it feels that way to us sometimes. It's in 1 John uh, three, two, and this is where we're going to be tonight, and this is kind of my overarching verse for tonight. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. 
So when Jesus comes back, you know, and the trumpet blows, and you know, the heavens are caught up, and we kind of are with him, uh, for those who are Christ followers, we will be like him. We will be changed. We'll be different. It does not mean that we will be Jesus, but we will be like him. And I don't understand fully what that means. So I have three points tonight about what I don't understand and about heaven. So the first thing is this. Being like Jesus in heaven is a new body I do not understand. It is a new body I do not understand. And 1 Corinthians 15 says this. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. I tell you a mystery. So even uh, the guy writing this would say, hey, I'm telling you something that is kind of weird. If you're not a Christian and you're kind of listening to this, you're like, what do these suckers believe? Right? It's kind of weird in a sense. And even the writer of the Bible says, I'm telling you a mystery, something that I don't even fully understand. He said, we shall not all sleep, which means dead. We shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. So what this means is when we talk about a new body, there's a lot of things that kind of need to be said. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about is this. Uh, age. How old will you be in heaven? There's a ton written on it. I mean, I tried to read as much as I could and not kind of go too far. Nowhere in the Bible does it say uh, Mike is going to be, you know, ex, you know, 28 years old when he dies and goes to heaven, or uh, depending on the year you die. So if a baby dies and goes to heaven, is the baby a baby in heaven? Or if your grandma and grandpa dies in heaven when they die, are they going to be, you know, 108? How old will you be in heaven? So, uh, people way smarter than me, and I don't know how they got there, but this is what they got, that you will be at your optimal age. So they believe you'll be like 25. Everyone's going to be 25. I have no idea why that's the optimal age or who said that or why, but that is not in the Bible. But it is what they, they say about how you will be changed, you will be different, and it's less about appearance. Here's what you need to, to, to get in you tonight. Your new body in heaven is less about appearance and what you look like. I believe that we will tr- be have the ability to travel time zones. Why? Because in Luke uh, 24, you'd pull up those two for me. It says this, when Jesus, after he rose again from the dead, so if we are like Jesus in 1 John 3, 2, their eyes were open, they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. I have no idea what that looks like. If he's just kind of blowing around, popping up in rooms, out of rooms, poof, poof. If he can do that and we can do that, but it appears that if we have a body like Jesus that's resurrected, That's what we get to do, which is pretty sweet. Some of you want to go back to the 1800s, and you want to go back to this time or this time. Uh, We would have new technology, stuff like that, that you want to know. I believe all of that is, is available to us. I really do. I think that your imagination in heaven, if it is, I, I said last week, and someone was like, you said we get to do whatever we want. I think that you will get to do whatever you want because every desire you will have will be a good one. You'll get to go wherever you want. you get to do whatever you want. You'll have a job. You'll have assignments. But um, I do believe that we will be able to kind of go wherever. And then Luke 24 says this. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. Remember last week I was like, do you get to eat meat in heaven? 
anyway. Uh, and he took it and he ate before them. Uh, I do believe that uh, the age or, or what we will get to eat, I think we're going to eat a ton. Uh, there's the tree of life there. I think that uh, we'll have good food, the best food you have ever ate in your life. That doesn't seem like a big deal to a lot of you. If you're a foodie, you know. You want good food all the time. You're like, I mean, like, is it Chipotle or is it like, is it Fleming's? Like, is it Blue Door or where are we going? Like, what is it? What does it look like? It is the best food you have ever ate in your life. Uh, and, and this is kind of the main reason I'm talking about bodies. You will have no desire, no desire to be someone else. So with your body now, all of us do this thing that we call coping, right? We cope. You and I, we do this to where we try to suppress the feeling that we have of an inconsistency with our body. You don't like yours. You're too short. You're too tall. Too skinny. You're too fat. You don't like your hair. You don't like your face. You have all of these things that you would like to change. So what do we do? We just cope. And there will be no desire to do that. Just imagine. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.4. More than you could imagine, complete, complete and total contentment with the body you have. You won't have to pray and ask God to take this away or add this or do this or you won't have to do anything with that. You will have no desire to be someone else. You won't see someone else's, uh, we talked about homes in, in heaven last week, you won't see someone else's home and be like, man, that's what I want. Can I, sleep? Can I sleep over? Can I stay the night at your house? Like, you want to go to that one. There will be no desire for that. Number two tonight, being like Jesus is a new location I do not understand. Revelation 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Stop. I want to talk about this. Um, we do believe that from Genesis to Revelation, I'm going Bible nerd a little bit for you guys tonight. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm understanding that I'm doing that, but I'm sorry. That you should take a literal approach to the Bible, which means this, it says what it means. Means what it says, right? Means what it says. We take it and that's what it means. Now within that, there's hyperbole, there's different genres, there's allegory, there's all that within that that we seek to understand. A lot of Bible teachers will say, the sea is no more, so there'll be no sea in heaven. And then you have all these people who are like, man, I like the sea. I want to swim. I like the beaches too. I mean, I, I mean I'm not a huge beach guy, like two days and I'm burnt out, but I, I want to go. I feel like I'd want to go, right? So there are a lot of Bible teachers that will say, hey, the sea is no more. I do not completely take that approach for two reasons. I'm not 100%. I would say I'm 70%. Number one, Genesis 1 and 2 is, heaven, is what heaven is going to be like. Right, God is restoring Genesis 1 and 2. Is there a sea in Genesis 1 and 2? Bible quiz. Yup, there's sea. So God created it in Genesis 1 and 2. Now why would it say the sea is no more? John is writing the book of Revelation. And as he's writing it, the people of this day, and he's writing it to these people off this island of Patmos, and as he's writing it, they were terrified of the sea scared, I mean, these people were scared to death because the sea meant losing any kind of security or hope. I mean, they weren't, I mean, when you went out to sea, you didn't know when you were going to see them, when they were coming back, or if they were coming back. So it was a concept of fear for them. I believe John is bringing it up 75% sure for that reason. The sea is no more. The fear aspect 
is no more. And even if we were going to talk about the river of life, it runs down Main Street in heaven in the New Jerusalem. There is water there. You can travel too. So anyway, there's my rant. I saw the holy city in the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. I'm making all things new. So, um, wh- why does all of this matter, and why is heaven coming down, and where was it, and what are we supposed to do? There is what is called, currently, a holding place, all right? Now, it is not, it is not purgatory, okay? There's a holding place for heaven right now. Where heaven is right now is not where heaven will be for all of eternity. So, if you were to die right now, right, we said last week, what a tragedy, you die, and if you know Christ, you go to heaven. When you go to heaven, then there is all these, you know, like I said, we're not pulling out the charts. I would right now, but we're not going to. After all, you know, Jesus defeats Satan, all that stuff. And it says in Second uh, Peter 3, the earth is burned up. And after it's burned up, heaven comes down, the new heaven and new earth. That is a new location I don't understand a bit. Even what I just told you, I don't really understand. I'm like talking about it, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't get it, but why would God give us this new location? And here's what I think is important to know, and what I, what I, it was hard for me to understand. 2 Peter 3.8 says that, um, that one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Remember last week we talked about how there's that regret aspect that you're not, that you're not gonna, there'll be a season of regret in heaven, depending on the time frame. When we die, I don't even understand, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. I'm nervous about that. Right, we talk about eternity and heaven and forever. It says in Revelation 20, uh, verse 10, it says that it is forever and ever. I'm nervous about that. Why would it be that way? And it says in Hebrews eleven sixteen. therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now I don't know about you, but I grew up in the country. I'm not a big city guy. If any of you went to Brooklyn with me, you know. I'm not huge on the cities, right? There's too many lights and, you know, a lot of people, I kind of get jammed up. I like the country. Why would it be a city? I mean, me and God got to iron that out. But, now we'll get to that in a little bit. Think about this. There'll be no desire, or even for us, of wanting what is next, Right? Don't you want to know what is next or what, what is next for you? There'll be no, it won't be necessary for you or I to demand what is next. We won't ask the question, hey God, what's next? Hey God, what's next? Hey God, what are we doing now? What are we doing now? What are we doing after this? What are we doing after this? Why is that? Because there's an aspect to us that we don't like where we really are anyway. You don't really want to be where you are kind of nervous about what might happen in this relationship or with your family here, with your job, or if you really get what you want to get, there is a fear aspect that you're nervous because you won't get what you really want. And asking what's next will not be priority for you or for me. And that's why I say, I don't really understand that. But I know because I believe what the Bible says when I get there it will be exactly what I need. It will, it will be fit for me. It will be perfect for me individually. It will be exactly what I need. And number three, it will be complete contentment, and I do not understand. It's in Acts 7, uh, 55 to 60. 
There's this guy, Stephen, before I read it, this guy, Stephen, he's getting stoned, okay? Um, He just preached a a fire Old Testament sermon. He's preaching to all these Jews, and all these people got super upset with him. And because of that, they get ready to stone this guy. They're going to kill him, right? We talk about our faith, and we're nervous that someone's going to ask me a question I don't know how to answer. I do. I'm nervous they're not going to like me anymore. I'm like, uh... Stephen, this guy's preaching the gospel, and this, this dude's getting stoned. He's reset. Full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Bible nerd time. There are, I think, I looked the other day, 10 passages that say Jesus did what when he went up to the Father? He sat down. When you and I pray, it's always talking about how Jesus intercedes for us, that he sat down at the right hand of God. He's sitting at the right hand of God, advocating our sins to God. This is the only time in the Bible where he stands up. He gets up off his throne. At the right hand of God, and he said, behold, and this is what Simon, this is, what Simon is saying, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of Saul. And some of you know exactly who that is. They were stoning Stephen and he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Um, I don't know about you, but that to me um, doesn't even make sense. If... I was getting stoned, or maybe you were getting stoned, the very last thing I'm concerned about is the, uh, is the people committing the act being forgiven, right? And the grudges that you and I hold, or the bitterness, or the anger that you and I hold towards people will be instantly gone, instantly it will be, we won't even have the, the feeling of it, right? Contentment for us, we won't even, won't even know how to categorize it or where to put it. And right when you and I die, I believe instantly all of that will be taken away. We will not be, you know, trying to gossip and get bitter at them, get back at them, or hold, you know, a big justice meeting and get back at them and do what they did. Instantly, we're saying, God, would you forgive them? I actually called my grandma, uh, who is 86 years old. I've got a ton of grandma stories tonight. Uh, because she had uh, three of her siblings die, and all of them, or two of them, she was there on their, their deathbed. And um, all of them have crazy, crazy stories. I'm just going to share one of them tonight. Her name was Ruth, and he, she said towards the end of her life, um, Things had just kind of fallen apart for her as far as uh, couldn't remember stuff well. And she had really, she was a vegetable towards like the last six months of her life. And she said it was super, super sad. And my grandma, I mean, she's a G. She shows up at deathbeds and she prays for these people. And as they would be received into heaven, if she knows that they knew Christ, she would ask that she get to see some piece of that. I don't know. I don't know if that's charismatic or not, but that's what she does. And she said, when Ruth was dying a few years ago, as she was exhaling, she said, she said, hadn't talked in months, she, star- she started to say the names of her family members and said, oh my, it is more beautiful than I thought. 
And she said, and then she started telling me the other story of the one boy who was 13 years old died on the day he was supposed to be baptized, laying there, and as he exhaled, just reached his hand up. Now, um, that is not authority of Scripture, right? Those are experiences. But I have no reason not to believe that um, God allows us to experience some of those things, right? Those aren't from the devil. It's not like the devil's prowling around like a lion that we would think about heaven, right? (laughs) I believe those are from God. And I believe the moment you and I die, I believe even as our soul or spirit is leaving us, I think that we experience heaven. And reminder tonight, just for us to remember, heaven is better. Heaven is better. It says in Philippians 1, 23, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. And here's the country for my man. Uh, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, better. Heaven is better. It's better than sex. It's better than marriage. It's better than kids. It's better than every dream that you've had fulfilled. And trust me, I have dreams, right? You have dreams and ambitions. There's things I would like to accomplish before I turn 75 and can't do nothing. There's things I would like to do. But I have to remind myself, heaven is better. It is far better than anything I will experience here. Every longing I've had fulfilled. And that is my last point that I do understand. Number four, my true home. My true home that my heart longs for And I do understand. I think all of us tonight, if you're going to sit down and have a conversation about this or talk about heaven, you would say that there are pieces of your life that aren't fulfilling. You're like, yes, maybe it's a lot of them, right? Maybe it's your school, your career, your ambitions, what you're doing, what you haven't done. There are things about you that you just feel like they don't fit, right? You're missing a cylinder in a sense. And in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, or we longing, we're longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, who has prepared us for this very thing is God. So why do I got this tent up here? Some of you have been wondering, 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 and I'm going to get in this. No, I'm not getting in this thing. Um, I actually uh, thought about starting off in here, but that would scare everybody. But anyway, <laughs> imagine if, like, you know, we're done with worship, and I just zip the thing out. Uh, anyway, why do I have this tent? What... Uh, How dumb would it be? Not even foolish. I think this is just dumb. How dumb? If I was like, hey guys, Hope and I were selling our house. Uh, 2250 Malo Path, like it's up. You know, if you want to buy it, you can buy it. Where are you going, Mike? We found this tent. And uh, I mean, we got Kinsley in there. We got Tile in there. I mean, we got the bathroom in there. I mean, yeah, it's all just right there. We're going to put all our chips in the bag on this one. We're saving up. Are you trying to buy a house? You're going to build a house? No, no, no. We just like the tent, man. First off, if you know my wife, that, I mean, that wouldn't even fly for a night. 
but for me, I, I hate camping. I hate it. You can't pay me to camp. I mean, I don't want to camp. I don't like camping. I don't like anything about it. But here's why I'm bringing this tent up here. How foolish is it for me to say, it's almost childish, right? For me to say, hey, I'm going to put all of my stock into this. Everything I got. My life savings, I'm going to, hey, you know, I'm even going to get a really nice tent. I'm not going to get one of them cheap ones. I'm going to get a nice one. I'm going to get one with like multiple things. You know what I mean? The ones that got the stuff, kind of, the zippers in and out. And even, I'll put an air mattress in that sucker. Yeah, oh, you guys like, bro, you don't even know. What about the RVs? No, right? It's, it's foolish. It's foolish. And when you and I invest, when I invest too much into this life, it's like saying, that's my home. That's it. I want to move in there. That's dumb. You're like, come on, man. Like, that's childish stuff. Right? Well, that's the same connection the Bible makes. And the sweet thing, the sweet thing about Jesus in John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling or what means his tent among us. Jesus comes down. And he makes a tent. He takes on a flesh body, God in flesh, and he makes his tent right with us. And he says, hey, I'm going to be just like you. I'm going to live the life that you couldn't live. And he enters our world so that it would be possible, possible for you to have an eternal home. Nobody would invest into a tent. That's foolish, right? But we often do it unknowingly. I got all of my stock here. Everything, all of my emotions, everything I'm planning, everything that I invest into. I'm not plan. I mean, I, I plan for things, right? You plan for things, but why would we not plan for where we're actually going to be? And it was C.S. Lewis who said this, and all of you have heard this before. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Haven't you found that to be true? Where you just feel like you, it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't bring you what you want, it didn't give you what you asked, it just kind of left you feeling empty. It's because just like me, what you've done is you've made a tent and you've said, all right, this is where I'm going to live now. Just everything is here, all of my emotions and all of my thoughts. Would you skip down to Luke 10, 20 for me? I think it's the last one. Jesus said this to his disciples. Jesus had done all these miracles and his disciples were freaking out about how awesome it was. Look what we did. This is amazing. This is so cool, Jesus. I didn't know we could do this. He said, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That my joy often comes when I do really cool stuff with this. My joy comes when I accomplish really cool things with this. You won't believe what I could do with this. And yes, next week we will talk about rewards and what we should do, but I shouldn't make this my home. It says in Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, 
Those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge or my tent, my dwelling. Would that be our prayer? Let me pray for you guys. As I finish out tonight, I'm going to read uh, a quote to you again uh, for this week, I think is very, very fitting. Some years ago, radio evangelist Charles Fuller announced that he would speak the following Sunday on heaven. It would be broadcasted on radio. And during that week, he received a letter from an old man who was very ill. Here's part of that letter. Next Sunday, you are to talk about heaven. I am interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of property there for over 55 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at a tremendous sacrifice. I'm not holding it for speculation since the title is non-transferable. It is not a vacant lot. For more than half a century, I've been sending material out of which the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me, which will never grow old or need to be repaired because it will suit me perfectly individually. Termites can never undermine its foundation for it rests upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be placed upon its doors, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands. Now, almost completed and ready for me to enter into it and abide in peace eternally without fear of being ejected, there is a very deep valley of shadows between the place where I live in California and to that which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home in the city of God without passing through the dark valley of shadows. But I am not afraid because the best friend that I ever have had went through the very same valley a long, long time ago and drove away all the gloom. He has stuck with me through thick and thin since we first met and became acquainted 55 years ago. And I hold his promise in printed form, never to forsake nor to leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of shadows, and I shall not lose my way when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday from my home, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey and no return coupon and no permit for baggage. Yes, I am ready to go and may not be here when you are talking next Sunday, but I shall meet you there someday. God, we thank you that you love us enough to have the idea of heaven. God, there's so much about it that we don't understand. There's so much about it that we don't get. And there's so much about it that we just want to trust you. God, as we talk about an earthly body, an earthly location, a heavenly contentment and where our hearts long for, God, would you help us to not invest too much here? Would you help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to set our mind on things that are above? We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you guys stand as we sing one more song?